Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Um, as their honest, authentic individual. And that is the the easiest, most seamless way to live life. I think it's hard to get there because oftentimes you have to go through a stage where maybe your family sees you as different or your friends see you as different because you're starting to truly own who you are. Um, and that can change a lot of relationships and how people view you. But once you get there and you don't care, and you can actually be who you are, that's when you can really break through to your potential. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Man, I tell you what, back in the day when I was finishing playing ball, I I wish I had a tool or a resource that can be able to help me transition into the real world. You know, for so long as athletes and the higher up we go, you know, having a dream of playing professionally or even in college, we don't see like the big picture of some of the things, some of the sacrifices that is needed that sometimes can pay a heavy cost with your identity being wrapped up into what you do. And so, in saying that, I've created a a coaching program and you can find it at alexmoldencoaching.com. It's specific to to athletes. And whether you're in college or or in, in the professional ranks, but it's a resource to be able to help 
um, athletes start to transition, start to look at themselves as more than athletes and start to really hone in on other skills, other skills in terms of relationships, other skills to help you find out exactly what you want to do when you're done playing. But it's important and it's key to be able to start to lay down a foundation, start to lay down a plan to do that while you're still in your sport. Because let me tell you something, people will answer emails or they will pick up the phone when you're still playing. Those calls, those emails don't get answered once you're done. That's just the truth. So go to my website, check it out. Um, I put together a webinar. It's called The Four Keys to Help Elite Level Athletes Transition. Um, so uh, it's something that is very, I'm very passionate about. It's something like when I went through that whole process of uh, exiting sport, and I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. And so I want to be able to provide that now because I'm very passionate about it. All right. So check it out. Welcome to another episode of The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. Um, I'm very excited for a conversation that you all get to listen to. Um, a good friend of mine, her name is Rashana Moss. Um, you heard the introduction, but um, I want for you, Rashana, to kind of tell my folks a little bit about you. Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me today, Alex. So um, I am a mental performance coach. So my background is in sports psychology. And I know that when it comes to mental performance, um, there's still kind of a huge question of what that is. And what it really comes down to is that we are trying to elevate individuals and teams into their potential by utilizing, um, you know, tools to hack our mental or psychological constructs. That's what it comes down to. So subconsciously, we use our brains every three seconds and we take that for granted, just like we take our heart for granted, right? It's always beating. It's always something that's there. Um, but if we address it, we can really affect and change how we're living our lives. And we take for granted how much our mind actually influences our actions and our behavior. Um, and so to be quite honest, at a young age through sport, I became obsessed with the psychology of sport. And so that's what I'm doing today, but utilizing it both in um, business as well as in sports, because through entrepreneurship, you actually realize um, how important performance is within the business world. Um, and then prior to that, you know, took a little bit of a detour, like Alex, you and I met at Nike years ago. Yeah. And, um, before that I was at IMG working actually in mental performance. And then at Nike, I learned a lot about, you know, business and worked in the sports research lab, kind of working on the psychological side of, um, products, like how is it perceived? Then went into sales and sports marketing and randomly in 2009 through the big, um, layoffs, I entered entrepreneurship and never thought I would, but I think I was 29 years old and was expecting not to be an entrepreneur, honestly, until I was knocking on about 50 or so, but it happened. And um, I think everything that was green in me uh, kind of left really quickly because you had to grow up really fast and own some fitness uh, studios called Pure Bar, 
for about nine years. So I had three in Austin and one in Houston and then sold in 2019 and then came back fully to mental performance because it felt like the market was ready. When I came out of school 20 years ago, mental performance, there was a huge stigma. Um, and I didn't feel like I could actually do what I wanted to do within the profession. Hmm. And when you say stigma with mental performance, what do you mean by that? So, yeah, I think that, um, in Alex, maybe you even remember this being in school too, is, um, when I was at Penn state and I was pursuing a degree in mental performance, I was very blessed to be at a school that was a major sports school. And with that, they also did have a sports psychologist that was on campus and, um, you know, you were even able to study sports psych, which a lot of schools didn't even have it. Even with that, and it being normalized on campus as there being a sports psychologist, um, there still was a stigma of like, who is the shrink coming on the field? Um, sports psychology is not the same as, um, as psychology or as therapy or as counseling, it is different. I mean, it's all in a similar wheelhouse, but it's still, it's different. Um, and so that stigma oftentimes didn't allow you to go in and number one, be accepted by the coaching staff and administration. And second of all, by the athletes, because the alpha, the, the sports that are a little more alpha, we're viewing mental performance as a weakness versus an asset. Whereas now I think mental performance is starting to shift into the perspective of being an asset versus you only go to mental performance because something is so-called wrong. That's not the case. It's actually a very proactive, um, you know, tool that you can utilize. And so we're still working on that, right? Like, especially in, in football, but in a lot of Olympic sports or individualized sports, sports psychology or mental performance is very normalized. Mm, absolutely. What is, you know, following you, seeing what you're all about, you know, your website, which is beautiful. What is like personal brand cultivation? What, how do you define that? And why is that so important? Man, personal brand cultivation, I feel like kind of goes back to our days, right? Like, when, um, when I would see you on a regular basis, I think being on Nike's campus will influence you for the rest of your life in terms of what it means. The word brand period changes yeah, yeah. when you have spent time on that campus. Right. So I'm going to explain it more so from a mental performance standpoint, because this is one of our really big, um, pillars is, you know, how someone is experiencing themselves internally versus how they are expressing themselves externally is a journey of maturity. And when someone can align the two, they decrease the number of like dilemmas that they're experiencing internally or in their life period, right? But for a long time, let's be real, how we experience ourselves internally is very different from how we act externally until we kind of grow up through that. When it comes to personal brand cultivation, coming to alignment is number one, one of the most important things because that is where your authenticity and your truth can actually express itself. When you're trying to live as a different person or as a different, you know, like brand externally, 
it's very difficult to keep up with two people all the time because that's essentially what you're doing. So then when it comes to true brand cultivation, it's like, how are you taking your truth? How are you taking your message and your narrative and elevating that in a way that um, is relatable, that is um, honest, and then you're putting your entire brand together around that, you know, just in terms of like your colorways and your style. Um, those are the personal brands that actually do really well is because they are bold and they're impactful. And those people have truly figured themselves out and they can live fluidly because they can just go through their day um, as their honest, authentic individual. And that is the, the easiest, most seamless way to live life. I think it's hard to get there because oftentimes you have to go through a stage where maybe your family sees you as different or your friends see you as different because you're starting to truly own who you are. Um, and that can change a lot of relationships and how people view you. But once you get there and you don't care and you can actually be who you are, that's when you can really break through to your potential. Mm. You know, that's, that's so interesting. And, you know, when I look at it in my life and, and also like the clients that I coach, it's like uh, some of those relationships you talk about, they are built because of or from a certain type of um, success that you've had. Mm -hmm. And that identity or once that success is gone, you know, then they also leave. And I think a lot of, especially the higher we go as, um, you know, in athletics, is those relationships, they are there because of your, your, your someone, right? But then once you start to figure out, you know, a deeper meaning of who you are and you start to kind of grow, then those people, they start to kind of fall to the wayside. Mm -hmm. So I think it's super important to understand, like, who you are, right? Who you are. And, you know, for many of us, we don't know who we are because of the the platform of sports, especially professional sports or, or elite level, whether it's, you know, college or professional is because we've been told that, you know, our sport is who we are. And and if you don't and once that sport is, is no longer there because we can't play forever, except maybe Tom Brady, but. You know, you're going to run to a point like you need to find out who you are. And it's better for you to find out who you are rather than somebody that um, somebody tells you or, or at least holds up a mirror. Like I had somebody hold up a mirror to me and it was heartbreaking. And that's why I'm here in front of you today because of that. Yeah. But I yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that's that's very real. And I see that in sports all the time because, and it's not even intentional, right? So let's say, um, okay, like a son playing football, he makes it to the pros, does really well. As a parent, you might inadvertently um, talk about football a lot because that's what your child is doing, Right. And then when you're out in the world and you're in contact with your friends, as a parent, you're still probably talking about your son in the realm of football because that's what other people are also seeing. And 
then you as a parent are also getting credit for raising that child. And then for them, you know what I mean? Like going professional and sport, et cetera. So the sport becomes the dominant conversation and how everyone relates to you. Um, whether you're the parent family member and then same thing as the athlete, that's then how the family is relating to that individual as well. So then when the season is even over, right? Like during the off season, you'll even see conversations um, decrease because families haven't taken that work to then train themselves to relate in other ways because football is what's giving everyone the status. And that's then where the power is held, right? Um, We don't do a good enough job of looking at things holistically and treating athletes um, as holistic individuals. Um, And that is very difficult emotionally for them to go through. Oh, man, you... You are hitting it on the nail. It's so funny having a son who's in the NFL and the conversation is like, he, you know, he calls home, you know, we call him and it kind of runs up the ladder where it's like the, his, his, you know, younger siblings, you know, eight and 10 year olds, they talk to him, nothing about football. How you doing? How you, you know, and then it kind of goes up and then, um, you know, when I hop on the phone with them, I still try to keep it out of that. I don't talk about football. You know, Good. if he wants to talk, if he wants to bring it up, he has a, you know, a different um, perspective or something. You know, I always start up, man, how you feel? How you Good. feeling? How's your how's your legs? How's your body? That's about it. I don't go into details about a receiver or offense. Um, and then, like, I just went to the University of Oregon spring game. And, you know, seeing a lot of people and haven't seen in a long time and everything is about how's Elijah, how's Elijah, you know, how's his football, how's, how, how was it playing in the league? And I was like, man, he's, he just got married. He's doing great. You know, just bought a house. He's doing great. He's, I don't want to get into all that football stuff, you know, because that's not, it's not who he is. It's what he does. So yeah. he's, he was different than dad. Dad yeah. didn't think like that. That was, it was. I fell into that hole with that, what, what do you call that? Eat, drink, sleep football. Yeah. Because it's dangerous. And I yeah. did that. And now it, be, it became my identity. For sure. Um, so I want to ask you about mental conditioning. So anytime, you know, coming from a sport background and, and a trainer, um, I hear conditioning and it's like, oh, we got to run. We got to do, we got to do. We got to get on the bike. We got to do. But when you say mental conditioning, I'm like, oh, what is that? Mm -hmm. You know what, Alex? Maybe your feeling around mental conditioning has to do with the fact that you killed all of us um, when we were training. It's coming back. Right. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, But on the mental performance, on the mental conditioning side, um, you know, it's a different word, right? So there's mental performance, there's mental conditioning, and it's all very similar. But I remember specifically when I was at IMG, it was referred to as mental conditioning. And I think the reason why is because we know, you know, IMG in Bradenton is known for developing athletes in all sports and at the highest level. So when you think about that athlete from a holistic perspective, because IMG does, right? They're looking at um, finding the best coaches and it's about 
skills work, right? But then also you're in the gym and conditioning your body and you are also looking at your nutrition to making sure that you're, you know, tuning in and keeping that machine as well-oiled as possible. And then from the mental perspective, it's the same thing, conditioning the mind so that you can handle game situations. Um, and so that you also are bringing a certain level of awareness to who you are as an athlete when you're on the field or on the court. So mental conditioning is all about developing awareness and skills that can complement and elevate your game. And they were doing that at the developmental level, right? So like kids even coming in for camp over the summer, they were receiving mental conditioning. The pros, they're also getting mental conditioning. So it didn't matter the age, it was about building that awareness and understanding of self. Um, because I think what happens too is <laughs> we know this, especially at the developmental level of sport, there's a lot of breakdowns, right? Like you'll see kids have like absolute temper tantrums because in their head they're ranked, um, you know, top three within their state. And now all of a sudden they go to somewhere like IMG where you've got several of the top athletes in one place. Parents think they're the best, all of it. That's been hammered into their head. Then they're in a situation where they break down and they have no idea how to handle it. So then they have a temper tantrum. That is what mental conditioning is about, is saying, okay, wait a second. You're actually in a new scenario. You haven't seen this before. You are now faced with realizing you've got a different level of competition out there. So how are you going to elevate and handle yourself to stay in the game versus breaking down because you're so used to like winning and kicking everyone's butt all the time. Um, that's what mental conditioning is about is making sure you're building those skills as you are developing as an athlete through different stages. And I love that. You know what? Something just happened. I think this past week, um, and it was a baseball player. He was a pitcher and he gave up a home run. It was in college gave up a home run. And so I don't know if there was words exchanged before or during his home run trot, but he got around third base and the pitcher went 100 miles an hour and tackled him. I'm talking about full middle linebacker tackled him. And I, so when he was talking about that, I was like, man, I wonder if that, if that dude has ever, you know, being in a situation like that, has he been dominant for so long? And if, you know, he gives up something that costs him the game and then he just, that's, that's basically a temper tantrum. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, it was now, now he's kicked off the team. He has no more scholarship. He's done. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, man, we, I think, yeah, yeah. It's based off a reaction, a feeling, a feeling instead of really thinking, I don't think he thought about doing it. He just, or confused his feelings for thinking. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about like, like situations, like knowing yourself and being in, in those environments where it's like, man, you're not the, you're not the best. You're not the smartest. You're not the prettiest. And how do we go about like developing or um, having a, a mind frame of getting through those those situations where, you know, we think that we're something, something, you know, higher 
And then we come to a realization, well, I'm not the best. Mm -hmm. How do we go about like, you know, um, trying to get into a, I I guess a, a level playing field. Yeah. So, you know, this applies to so many different stages of our life, whether you're an athlete or, you know, an executive, um, or just going through life in general, right? Is this idea of a clean slate. We should have a clean slate so many times in our life. So think about if you are going um, from college to your first corporate job, right? Everything that got you there, as far as the corporate job is concerned, was foundational. But once you get to that job, you now need a clean slate so that you are giving yourself the grace and the space of curiosity to figure out how to effectively be in that environment. Same thing when you're going from college or from high school sports to college sports. In high school, let's be real, you had to be one of the top ones to now be recruited by, you know, a top university. But once you're at that top university, it's several other students who were also, you know, high ranked who are joining the team. So if you don't have that clean slate mentality, you're going to be constantly judging yourself and leveling yourself up um, to figure out, wait a second, I'm supposed to be the best. I'm not saying you can't be the best, but you need to stop and get curious for a minute and understand the landscape of the skills you need to now acquire in order to hit higher levels of productivity within that environment. And curiosity is something we don't do enough. We get kind of protective of our egos and we become competitive in ways that are unhealthy. Um, And so then the ego will kind of like act out. But if you were thinking of a clean slate, like, oh, wow, I'm, you know, out of college, now going to Penn State, um, headed there to play tennis. I've got all these other people on the team with curiosity and openness. Now you've said, okay, I'm on this team. There are other individuals that are highly, um, you know, like highly ranked and highly productive individuals, I would love to develop these relationships and see who I actually bond with. Let's see what skills they have that I also might have, or that, you know, I may have different skills. And so now you've got a team and this is just same thing in corporate. You've got a team with different individuals who have different skills. And now you put that together. And as a team, you're that much more powerful because there's diversity and differentiations in what you bring to the table. And now you're learning from one another, right? Versus I have to be the best. I have to have all these skills. It's me and no one else. That is not productive in life, period. It's really healthy to open yourself up to other perspectives, respect even other skills and where other talent is, because that is then when you learn and you can elevate yourself. And so I always say, bring in the clean slate whenever there's a new chapter because that can help you grow versus if you have that slate that, you know, has everything on it from before, you don't have new space to, to grow in that. So clean that slate, start new, appreciate where you came from, but know that it's a whole new ball game. Um, and it's time to, to learn and level up. Oh, that was a diamonds. Goodness <laughs> gracious. That was, yeah, man, because I'm, you know, I'm just taking notes and, you know, they're foundational you know, what you're talking about. It doesn't matter if you were in athletics or you're an entrepreneur, or if you're um, in corporate America, those are foundational principles. And so kind of going from that, 
like how do you because you've you've been in the as an athlete a high level athlete working um at nike working at img and now a successful entrepreneur like what is leadership and and how can you how does that what are those foundational principles that you see in all of those different um times in your life you know what alex i'm not gonna lie leadership is not easy that is a difficult role to hold and i don't think i understood that until i was an entrepreneur um i think i grew up as a natural leader when it came to you know being team captain or student body president um and even in some social groups right like i have no problem taking charge and moving forward um, just because honestly, I like to get things done. Um, but when I became an entrepreneur, leadership completely changed. And I will tell you that I failed on a daily basis because when you have a hundred employees, that means you have a hundred different perspectives. You have a hundred different needs. You have a hundred different, um, like judgments and you're walking around with a mirror in front of your face on a daily basis trying to succeed, but knowing that even through your successes, you are going to fail someone or something in some way. And so I think honestly, one of the best muscles that I developed, as well as one of the muscles that I have seen great leaders develop is being okay with failure. Um, That doesn't mean you stay in failure, you've got to rebound quickly, but you do have to understand that failure is part of the process and actually an essential part of the process. So I would say that's number one. Number two um, is honesty. And what I mean by that is being honest about where you are. So oftentimes as a leader, you might have certain visions and goals. (laughs) You'll talk to your team and say, hey, on, um, you know, June 15th, we're going to do this launch and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you get to June 15th and what you said is not what happens. And that is because as the leader, even though you have the vision, you're also leading the pack. And there are things that were outside of your view that you didn't know were going to be needed in order to make that vision come to life, right? So like, again, you're always failing and making mistakes. So then you have to communicate to your team that it's different than what than what you said. Or sometimes you even have to be able to say, I don't know. And being able to say that and be honest, especially the phrase, I don't know, is huge for leaders because then it allows their team to trust and understand that the process isn't perfect. And also for your team to give the leader grace and that, hey, they don't know everything. They're figuring it out just like we are. So I would say that's another huge one. And then the last is honestly persistence and resilience to continue to push through. Because if the leader throws their hands up, then what happens to the rest of the team? Like the team loses their their faith um, to push through. It's like, okay, well, if they're throwing their hands up, then why am I going to keep going? And that's a big one in sport too that I think we see oftentimes, right? Like that coach leader like has to keep pushing through. Uh, when you think about startups, right? If those founders or CEOs give up, then how are you going to take this product like to f- 
fruition. Like that's not going to happen. So there has to be an absolute, um, like honestly kind of aggressive, um, and persistent willingness to proceed. Like you have to keep going as a leader. So I would say those are the biggest things I see. And there's a lot of leadership out there where it's like, hey, these are leaders. And honestly, they're really bad and ineffective leaders. But some of the most effective ones, those are some of the characteristics I've seen. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not funny, but, you know, a lot of times in leadership and, you know, other things that people tend to fluff it up instead of boiling it down. And, you know, I mean, myself included. And I didn't know exactly what it was because, you know, being a, in athletics, it was like if I, if I was the fastest, then, oh, he's the leader. Yep. <laughs> and it's like that's just not the case. And so when I started to do my own research, it's like, man, leadership is, is leadership is influence. Because we, we can look on, you know, I mean, we can look in history and see some powerful influencers, some powerful leaders who had terrible character. Yes. But yet they was able to move an entire country. So a lot of people think, you know, just being a good person is no, no, that's not, you know, there's relationships, you know, relationship is a huge influencer, your platform, right? Being, you know, a, uh, a, a, a CEO and not just a CEO or an executive, but yeah, you are, you have the position of leadership that doesn't necessarily make you a good leader, right? especially if you can't. You know, you can't um, move people. So, um, yeah, speaking on that, where because you work with you, you work with athletes, professional athletes. You also work with um, executives. Like, what are some of the things that that you see in terms of like the, the mental health part that maybe both are um, maybe insufficient or, or maybe lack knowledge of? Yeah, so there actually is quite a bit of crossover between let's see, like a pro athlete and a CEO or executive um, because they're both in the game. Right. And when I say in the game on the executive side, it's like the game of business. So every day you're kind of stepping out there to win. Um, And that's so much of what this is about is figuring out what their winning mentality is based on their individual needs or their, um, their personality. So what we often see is an over, um, I would say a, a higher level of confidence than, than reality, right? Because if you um, are a pro athlete or your CEO or executive, in reality, you have a certain level of confidence, right? To do those things. But at the same time, you might have, too much confidence. And what I mean by too much confidence is not realizing what your actual weaknesses are and not having a level of awareness to say, okay, yes, I'm willing to do this. But if I stopped and understood who I am more and understood what my deficiencies might be and where my growth opportunity is, then you would be that much more effective as a leader. And it's hard um, sometimes to do that because 
the ego can really drive us forward. And when you start working on mental performance or, you know, in therapy or in counseling, a lot of times we're starting to break that ego down, right? And kind of grow into what is truly just like authentic. So the ego will oftentimes stop us from truly looking at self in a deeper manner and bring a higher level of awareness to who we are. And that would take admitting our weaknesses, right? So that yeah, is yeah. the first and foremost, like that is the number one thing um, that we see. I think the other piece of it is um, this idea of time because everyone at that level is in a time deficit. Therefore fitting in another thing like mental performance, it feels like there's not time for that. And there are other things that are higher priorities um, that will stop people from addressing mental performance. Now your time deficits would probably decrease if you actually did do mental performance because we would be breaking down psychological constructs in a way that honestly changes your priorities and makes your thinking and your time, et cetera, more effective. But it, again, it's hard to get there because there's a time deficit. Um, and then the last thing I would say is um, there's this kind of idea of like being told what to do is hard and mental performance coaches are not there in any way to tell, to tell someone what to do. Right. But we are challenging one's thought process or presenting other possibilities. And sometimes when you're in that role, especially like a highly alpha personality, it may be difficult to pause and consider other possibilities and then pivot into that for effectiveness. Um, a lot of times it's easier for someone to say no first because they need that confidence in self and they need to take that information, um, integrate it into their own thought process and then almost make it their own thought to then agree with it and move forward. So those are the three things that kind I would reverse say. engineer it, huh? Pardon? Kind of reverse engineer it? 100%. Yep. Mm, got it. What is like, as we start to close out, what is something that I might have missed in terms of questions for you? Because, I, you know, you have so much experience and knowledge and... Um, I want to make sure I scrape the plate. Yeah. What is, you know, any other tools? Because you gave, in, I mean, you've given us um, quite a few. Is there any anything else that my listeners can be able to uh, use today? Yeah, you know, I would just encourage people to um, to find some type of support. And what I mean by this is, you know, let's talk about the fact that it's like, you know, mental health awareness. The scale of mental health is huge, right? Like there are some individuals who may actually need to, um, you know, see a psychologist uh, because of certain um, chemical imbalances, right? And they might need support as far as like medication is concerned or certain supplements. And there are other individuals who might be at the other end of the spectrum who do not need that. And then feel like, oh, because they don't need that, then you know, mental, mental health, like they're good. I think what happened with the pandemic is that it revealed 
that the scale of mental health is huge and that when we are challenged in certain ways, we are going to then be challenged <clears throat> mentally and emotionally. Therefore, everyone could utilize some type of support and growth mentally in order to prepare yourself for when challenges come in life, but then also to simply support yourself in the growth that you're wanting to experience through life. And so wherever you are on that scale, it's like start there and get the support because I guarantee you, if you invest in yourself from a mental standpoint, your growth is going to be exponential. Um, it may not feel the same as going to the gym and, you know, for 30 days doing bicep curls and then seeing the differentiation in your biceps, right? Like it's not something that you physically see, but it's something that you feel and it's something that makes you operate in life completely differently and it will change your life for the rest of your life. So that would be what I leave people with is just have mental support in your life based on where you are on the scale. Love that. Love that, Rashonda. How can my listeners get more of you? Um, so if you go to modernmuse.com, um, you are able to pretty much send us an inquiry if you are interested for yourself individually with mental performance um, or your company, or if you're an athlete, might be your team, but you can send us an inquiry and uh, we will get back in touch with you. And from there, um, you know, provide the support that is needed. Uh, but that's what that's what myself and my business partner do is supporting teams, both on the company side and on the athletic side. Absolutely. And I'll have this all in the show notes along with your LinkedIn and 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 whatnot. Um, Rashana, thank you so much. This has been super um, uh, inspiring but also like learning, like I'm taking, I got like two pages of notes right here. It's, this is phenomenal. So thank you once again for being a guest on the Shark Effect. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate you having me on today. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to, to transition, what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership which is influence and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced i have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment alignment and adjustment um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there 
you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.